You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. So we're continuing our message series exploring the book of Ephesians. We call it Fresh Reformation. Uh, It is a letter from Paul, uh, an encouragement, uh, a letter of encouragement. Uh, Some of Paul's other letters are ones of correction. This one is a letter of encouragement uh, to the early church. He's writing it from a prison cell in Rome. Um, And hopefully you've been spending some time in Ephesians. Uh, It's six chapters. They're relatively brief. It's set up in a very, very organized way for those of you who like order and structure. Uh, The first three chapters deal with our position in Christ as followers of Jesus, uh, what our beliefs are. And based on that foundation, uh, in the first three chapters, we then go to the second three, chapters four through six, that, that show us how to live out this uh, thing in terms of our behaviors, our practices, and uh, it's, it, 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 it comes together in a very beautiful way. And as we look at it, we're going to see that the beliefs and the behaviors that stem from uh, uh, our uh, our you know faith in Christ and us being in Jesus Christ, it's all about grace. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. That, that amazing thing called grace. Uh, we read a lot about grace in the Bible. We sing about it in our worship, in our hymns. Uh, we hear about it in messages and sermons. But do we really grasp how amazing God's grace really is to each one of us? Is it something that we have a fresh awareness of in our hearts and lives? Uh, I'll just begin with the classic Sunday school definition of grace, God's unmerited favor. Uh, God loves us. God in his goodness, he, uh, he is good to us. Uh, and it's all based on who God is. That's the amazing thing in our, in our world, which is so often performance-oriented, you know, if you do well, then, then this happens for you. But no, this is, this is a story of God's grace. God is loving and he's good. And it's all about who he is. And it has absolutely nothing to do with how good I might be or how bad I might be, what I do or what I don't do. Uh, God's love, God's grace is simply based on who he is. And it has nothing to do with my behavior. Uh, It's simply his unmerited favor to each one of us. In the passage that we're going to be looking at in Ephesians today in chapter 2, if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles there, um, we're going to be focusing on on grace, but a couple of different dimensions of God's grace to us, that that grace is God's undeserved kindness by which he offers every person, all of humanity, this incredible gift of salvation, but it's also the means by which the Holy Spirit can operate in us. So we see that it is God's favor, but it's also a force uh, by which the Holy Spirit works in us and and does uh, incredible works of forming us, reforming us, transforming us, and empowering us uh, to do the ministry of Jesus. So we've got grace as a noun, and we've got grace as a verb. And it's all grace, it's all the time, and it is all really, really good. And so let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read the first uh, 10 verses of this chapter. And Paul writes this. He says, as for you, you were dead 
in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from ourselves, uh, yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us all to do. Holy Spirit, we, we do. We ask that this morning we open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to you. And we ask that you would make us so much more aware of your grace. Lord, we ask that you would just deconstruct anything that has been built up in our own hearts and lives about our role in your grace in terms of us earning it us working for it, striving for it. Set us free from that, Lord. And I pray that for every person joining us here in the worship center, every person who will hear this message, whether online or later in a podcast, God, that you would make our experience of your grace fresh and fully alive. Come, Holy Spirit, and do that in each one of us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And as part of Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, he begins with this before and after. And we love before and afters, don't we? Uh, Before Christ, death. But after Christ, life. And he, he begins with that, that we are all spiritually dead, all of us. Paul is writing this as a, a Jew who has encountered Christ and has received Christ as his Messiah. He is writing that as a Jew, and he's writing it to a Gentile audience, the primary audience that he ministered to, that God called him to. And he is saying that we were all spiritually dead, no matter what your ethnicity is. And I would say today, no matter what our, our gender is, no matter what our socioeconomic status is, we were all spiritually dead until we were made alive in and with Christ And this is God's loving and merciful gift of salvation that saves us. It saves us. It rescues us from imminent death, a death that we could not save ourselves from. Uh, We were dead. We simply didn't need a good teacher to come along and give us you know, some good words of wisdom or uh, a guide to come along and instruct us in a way to go. No, we were dead and we needed nothing less than resurrection. 
And there was one person, uh, a God person, who could provide that for us, and that was Jesus Christ, the only way, the only truth, the only life, the only resurrection that was available to us. And for those who are in Christ, as Paul talks a lot about in chapter 1, and as he talks about with us being seated with Christ in chapter 2, that is how we can experience life, eternal life, and that is the only way that we can experience eternal life. We were dead before Christ, but because of Christ, we are resurrected, we are alive, we are saved from eternal death. End of story. I couldn't save myself. I couldn't resurrect myself, and you can't either. We were drowning. We were free-falling just to be completely splattered in, in our sin and, and in death, and God rescued us. He saved us. May we live with the awareness of the great power of God and him alone who can save us uh, from uh, the consequences of our sins. Uh, you know, in this section, Paul also talks about the spiritual conflict that affects us all. Uh, the forces that pull us, lure us, tempt us to go in the wrong direction, uh, to uh, you know, satisfy the cravings of our flesh, those carnal things, uh, the conflict between the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan, all interchangeable ideas versus the kingdom of God, the kingdom of love, the kingdom of his goodness. And you know, as, as Eugene is talking, and I know what I'm going to be speaking about this morning, do we really need to be convinced that there is evil still alive in our world? I mean, really? But yet some people say, oh, well, there's no such thing as evil. I'm sure uh, if you were in the midst of Ukraine, that would be a very different story for you, hopefully. But we've got evidence of evil all around us, don't we? Uh, look at the paper, look at crime, look at uh, abuse and neglect and, and just awful reminders that, that we live in the midst of, of, of evil, um, the way the world is now is not the way God created it to be or the way that he intends for it to be in uh, the age to come. Um, you know, we often, how many of us have had con- conversations with people who maybe were not followers of Jesus and we're talking about God's love and they will often respond, well, if God is so loving and kind and good, then why is there so much evil in this world? And it's like this evil world was not God's plan. This was not his plan at all. If you want to get a good, clear picture of what God's intent was for the world, look at Genesis 1 and 2, the Garden of Eden. That was God's plan for us. But sin entered the picture. Uh, Adam and Eve sinned. They were tempted by by Satan, and, and, and sin entered the picture. But immediately, God came with plans to restore. This was not a surprise to God. Uh, God enters the picture with a plan to restore us to relationship and to redeem uh, his kingdom. And and we know that the end of the story is the the kingdom of God will be uh, restored fully in our world. And in this in-between of the already of the kingdom and the not yet of the kingdom, we see in-breakings of God's kingdom in cool ways. And that's why we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come to Ukraine and that conflict there. Let your kingdom come to poverty in our own community. Let your kingdom come to our friends and loved ones who are addicted to drugs. God, let your kingdom come. Uh, 
we, we see that when Christ returns, God's kingdom will come in its fullness and all things will be made right. But until then, there remains spiritual conflict. But know this, in the midst of our spiritual conflict, never lose sight that Satan is a defeated foe. He is a defeated foe. He knows he's defeated. And so what you see and what we're experiencing in this present age is his getting in every last shot he can because he knows what his end is. He knows that he is defeated by Jesus' work on the cross, his singular work on the cross, overcoming death, hell, and the grave for all of us. And it is all because of God's grace, all grace, all the time. I love how Paul just breaks into worship. He does this many times throughout the book of Ephesians. He does it here in chapter two and verse four. He says, because of God's great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. God's great love for us. God rich in mercy. This is our God. This is our God. He is not stingy with mercy. He is not stingy with his love or with his grace. He's rich and he's generous and he is lavish with it. And the reason I mention this, uh, this expression of worship, because worship is so key to us staying connected with God's grace in our, live and, in our lives and, and it becoming real and, and it staying and remaining real and growing even more and more real. A life of worship roots us in the reality of God's grace. And it gives us a right perspective of who God is and who we are in Christ. Uh, it's vital. And that's why worship is such a huge priority for us as followers of Jesus and here in the vineyard. We should never lose sight of, the God, of God's grace for us because it is. It's all grace. It's all the time. And worship helps us to, to stay connected with that reality. I've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, and I know many of you have been as well, and I'm aware of a tendency that can happen as we grow and as we mature in our faith, and, and all of a sudden, maybe struggles that we'd had in the past aren't as heavy as they used to be, um, and we see God using us in cool ways, and there can be those tendencies to start making it about us. Look at what I've done. Look at how fervent I am in my prayer life. Look at how generous I am in my giving. Look at how kind I am to poor people and strangers. And all of a sudden, it becomes this thing about us. Watch out. Watch out. It's all grace. It's all the time. It's vital for us to stay connected with God. You, your love is amazing. Your love is incredible. Uh, there's a beautiful story of how our tendency to become pharisaical uh, can, can creep in if we let it, when we start making our relationship with God all about us. It's in Luke chapter 7. Jesus is, is having a meal with Pharisees, with people who love the appearance of piety and religiosity. They love it. And they were so skeptical of Jesus already. And they're having this meal with him. And right in the middle of this meal, a woman who has a really bad reputation in that community comes in. And she brings with her this expensive bottle of perfume. And right in the middle 
of this meal, she pours out this expensive perfume on Jesus' feet and she starts this incredible uh, expression of, of adoration and affection and gratitude to Jesus, washing his feet with her hair and her tears. And it makes the Pharisees incredibly uncomfortable. They're like, okay, this is weird. You know, this, this is wrong. Because Jesus, if you're the prophet that you say that you are, you would know who this woman is and you would have nothing to do with her. Yet she, here she is doing this, this incredible thing uh, in, in our midst. And he says this to them. He says, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown in this expression of worship to me. But whoever ever has been forgiven little loves little. And it's, it's just vital for all of us to never lose sight of God's amazing grace and how much we have been forgiven. You know, I don't have the, the you know, the, the epic testimony of, of you know, I, I, I didn't spend time in jail as a child. I didn't, you know... All, you know, all those kinds of things, uh, you know, I, and I'm not belittling those. I have my own story, though, and I have very much my own need for God's incredible grace and mercy and salvation, just as you do. And I need to live mindful. I need to live in touch with that every day. Because one of the other things that I, 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 I realize and I experience in my own life, when I lose touch with how much God's grace impacts my life and how it's affected me and changed me, ah, I am less apt to extend his grace to those in my life who are difficult to love. Is that just me? But when I am keenly aware, God, you have been gracious to me, and all with all my junk, with all my sinfulness, with all my brokenness, you love me. You have extended your gift of salvation. I have received that, and now I am more apt, and I am more able to extend it to those who are hard to love. Now, I'm probably the only person in here with people who are hard to love in my life. <laughs> Not. Uh, you want me to name some of them? Anyway, no, I'm just kidding. I won't do that. <laughs> On another day, maybe, but not today, because we're talking about God's grace, right? Yes. Because of God's amazing grace, he raised us up with Christ. He raised us up with Christ, and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And so with Christ, we are made alive. We are spiritually alive. We get to look forward to eternal life. It's actually something we're already living in as followers of Jesus. And, and also we are empowered to partner with God in his kingdom purposes here on earth. And, and this is where uh, grace moves from a noun to a verb. Uh, and that's one of the beautiful things about, uh, about grace, all grace all the time and all kinds of different expressions, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, we just did a message series on spiritual gifts, and John Wimber, the late leader of the vineyard, used to talk about spiritual gifts being gracelets. 
uh, that God would just, he would just grace us with these insights and, and these words of knowledge or, or, or miracles or gifts of healing, uh, these kinds of wonderful expressions of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit enabling us to do the ministry of Jesus here on earth. It is grace that saves us. It's grace that guides us as we live our lives for Christ. It's all grace all the time. I love this quote from the late Dallas Willard. He was a philosophy professor at the University of Southern California, an incredible writer, an incredible thinker. And this is from his excellent book, The Great Omission. He says this about grace. Grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude. Effort is an action. Grace, you know, does not just have to do with forgiveness of sins alone. And so we need, we need this full picture of grace. It is by grace that we are saved, but it's also through the grace of the Holy Spirit filling us, empowering us, forming us, reforming us, transforming us, that enables us to live the life that, that, that God has called us to live here on earth. Ephesians 2.10 says this, we are God's handiwork, God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, let's make sure that we're really clear about what these good works are. What these good works, the works that Paul's talking about here, the, the, the good works that do not uh, impede upon our understanding or our experience of, of God's grace, which is all about the singular work of Jesus. So we want to make sure we're clear here. These good works are the byproducts of God's grace at work in our lives that stand in vivid contrast to the kingdom of darkness going on all around us. These are not works of the law by which we can have right standing because of our righteousness. Paul was very, very acutely aware of those good works. He, he even said, you know, I was a Jew among Jews. I, I knew how to, to follow the law with precision, with, with tremendous accuracy and, and fervor. That's not what we're talking about here. That's not what Paul is talking about either. We are God's handiwork. Some translations say his workmanship. The Greek word that's used here is poema, and it's, it's, it's God's fresh reformation in our lives, meaning that he is, he's doing this new work in us, this work of art in us, that means that he's renovating us so that our very nature, which Paul's already talked about in this passage, uh, which loves to be influenced by our carnal nature, that God, in the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, He's renovating us. He is making it possible for our lives uh, to produce good works for his glory, for his honor, for the purposes of his kingdom. And this is God's work in us. It's, and it, it's our right response to God's work in our lives. Again, not the works of the law to try to earn anything from God. This is not about us striving to do good works, to earn God's grace, to make him love us more because God can't love me more than he loves me right now. He can't love you more than, than he loves you right now. I don't care what you're doing or what you're not doing. God's love for me, God's mercy, his grace for me and you, they're not contingent on our behavior but on his character. And this is really good and vital news for all of us. We are, all of us, God's handiwork. God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
Um, I have this really bad habit of keeping emails, keeping text messages, and keeping old photos on my phone. Anybody have that problem? Uh, Every now and then, I'll have a second, I'll go through, and I'll start clearing some things out. And I had a chance to do that a couple of weeks ago. And I was looking through some pictures from about two years ago. And I was reminded it was almost exactly two years ago when our church, it was, uh, I guess, August of 2020. And uh, we had a neighborhood prayer walk. Didn't you remember that, us doing that neighborhood prayer walk? We did it uh, one Sunday afternoon. We just felt impressed to, um, you know, to have, it was sort of a social distance prayer walk that we were able to do uh, safely and just to pray God's kingdom to come to our neighborhood. And so we did, we prayed and we said, Lord, let your kingdom come to this neighborhood. And we, we started out of the, onto Parish Road right there. I took a right out of our parking lot. We took a right on Beverly Heights. And then we took that first left uh, and we, we stopped right there and we worshiped. Uh, Summer Mino was in the back of a truck with her guitar and a sound system. And she was leading us in worship right here. And this is, and I just remember the main theme for our prayer walk and our, our time of worship was, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come, Lord God. Let, let your kingdom come. Let it be here on earth as it is in heaven. And we continued on. And as I'm looking at these pictures and I'm thinking, the very spot that we stopped and had our first time of worship was right in front of our compassion house. Isn't that awesome? I just, I'm sitting there by myself and there's this amazing Holy Spirit moment like, wow. Wow, God, this was not even on our radar at all two years ago, even the idea of a compassion house. And, and I'm, I'm putting those pieces together, and I know what I'm preaching about today. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And it's like, we're going to dedicate this place next Sunday to, uh, to be used to minister to homeless families and it wasn't even on our radar, but we're standing there, we're singing just sort of, you know, uh, just naively and maybe just sort of ignorantly, God, we just let your kingdom come let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And God's like, okay, watch what I'm going to do. And if you know the story, you know, it's all been God. We looked, we searched, we made offers, we got turned down and God in his infinite wisdom and kindness and love and goodness gave us this house at an incredible price. January of this year just fell into our laps. And I don't have time to go into that now, but many of you know that story. We'll share more about that. We're going to dedicate that next week. But the cool thing about this is that that God does this workmanship thing in us as a church, but he also does it in us individually. And that's part of the goal, as Angela talked about this morning, of Growth Pathway. That we, uh, each person here at the Vineyard, we want you to recognize God's workmanship in your life. And we want to we wanna work with you to help you figure that out in the Holy Spirit, meeting with us, guiding us, leading us, and directing us. Because what God desires to form in each one of us, whether it's a church or us individually or as couples or families, is a uniquely beautiful and amazing work of all art. And it is all, all God's grace. All of it. It's, it, it's us just showing up saying, okay, God, yeah, I'll go to Poland. Yeah, God, I'll go serve the poor uh, Monday nights and, and Thursday uh, through our food pantry. Yeah, God, I'll go work at this, uh, this compassion house. God, whatever it is that you want, you want me to take a meal to the, my neighbors across the street who just went through a very difficult job loss. God, whatever it is, I'm just here. I'm just available. 
You've prepared good works in advance for me to step into and do, and that's your work in my life as well. I just want to join you in that. That's God, and that's the amazing invitation that he has extended to all of us. My question for you this morning is, and as we, as the worship team, as you guys come up, have you accepted God's gift of grace? Have you accepted his gift of grace? It's a gift that he extends to all of us. His gift of grace that we all need, we all need rescue. We all need, we're all in spiritually dead apart from Christ's resurrection power. God's gift of salvation is available to each one of us today. What we have to do is say yes to it. We have to, to receive it. We have to say, yes, Jesus, I, I accept your work on the cross. God, I accept your love given to me through Jesus. I say, yes, I confess to you my spiritual death, and I, I want to be alive. So, Jesus, come and live in me. Come and be my Lord. Come and be my Savior. Holy Spirit, come and bring resurrection life. Do your work forming me and reforming me and transforming me, leading me and guiding me. This morning, as we worship, you can, you can just have that, that conversation with God. We're going to have ministry time as well, and you can have an opportunity to pray with someone this morning. Let me invite you to stand.